This is the Ignition Point. It's Clayton Bradley Academy's podcast where every day we work with students to help them develop problem-solving skills, critical thinking skills, ability to collaborate with others, and using our lifelong guidelines and life skills. Today I'm continuing a conversation that we've had on some previous podcasts with Pat Bradley, our founder at Clayton Bradley Academy, and Linda Jordan. Uh, Linda's been working with us from the beginning and, and could easily be considered a founder as well. She's been involved uh, with all of the decision-making and, and uh, instructional strategies that we've done as she has helped coach our staff uh, three and four times a year every year since we started. And so Linda and Pat have worked together uh, in various capacities at various schools to work with the highly effective teaching model, which is the model that we use that uses brain research to help teachers uh, teach in a way that that solidifies learning and puts it into long-term memory and helps with the recall of it when it's useful and needed. Today we're going to focus on the type of, of learning that we do called conceptual learning and it's part of the highly effective teaching model and so I'm just going to allow Linda to, to give us some kind of big view all the way down to the things that happen in the classroom and we'll jump in and interject and talk about some things that happen at Clayton Bradley along the way as well. So Linda, uh, go ahead and, and help us understand a little bit of why do we do conceptual learning? How does that fit with the brain research that's out there? And why, does, why is that the model that we use at CBA? Yeah, thanks, Kendall. The reason we use conceptual learning is it's one of the basic elements of how do we get kids to store information? So when we just teach through a textbook, when we just teach random facts and ideas, and it may not sound random, but by the time an elementary student has been taught, we're going to go from reading to writing to spelling to math to science to social studies, and we do the same thing with high school students, where is that information going in their brain? Where are they putting it? So the idea of teaching with a concept gives that learning an address to go to. It gives it a place to go to in the brain where we can help them retrieve it because it's hooked together. When you think about teaching isolated subjects, one of the things that happens is, is often they get stored in isolated areas and making it very hard to retrieve. So when we're teaching with interdisciplinary or a concept, so as an example, if I take a concept like systems, we can talk about systems of government, we can talk about systems of writing, we can talk about systems that are used within the math, we can take uh, systems in science. We can take all of those subjects together and look at what they have in common built around that concept. And concepts are big ideas that are going to help our students remember this information hopefully for a lifetime. So when we think about those big ideas, things like systems, cause and effect, uh, interdependence, what it does is it also gives students and in powerful lessons in what is cause and effect because so much of our lives is cause and effect what causes this and what's the result really when you're even just going to purchase something you're using parts of cause and effect if I choose to spend my money this way what will the effect be so am I going to buy 
um, a Prius, a Tesla, a Chevy? Uh, you know, what's the cause? How much money do I have? And what's the effect if I do this? Gosh, now I can't buy the house I wanted. You know, we want kids to really understand those big ideas and then to see the interdisciplinary connections they have within their subjects. So that really helps the teachers, as kids may go through different teachers, still keep the focus around that concept. So we choose a concept that fits that criteria across all of the content areas, and it helps send that address to the brain for retrieval. So as you look at and have your student at uh, CBA, you will hear them possibly talk about a concept board or a year-long theme that this is the concept we're working on. So we write something called a conceptual key point, which defines what that concept is, and then so what? Why, why do I need to know as a student cause and effect? How is that going to help me in my life? How does that personalize it? Because relevance makes the brain have meaning, which has it makes it have memory. So we want to make sure that we are giving them the reason why they need to know that concept. And if you think about by the time a child leaves CBA and they have been taught dozens of concepts that students really understand what a system is, how things are interdependent, uh, how, how to be curious, how to explore, how to discover, those, those are great traits to have as an adult to think about the world through those lenses. So we use the conceptual learning uh, with our themes and our theme boards and you will hear your student talk about concepts. So all the way down to as we start to teach the lesson, we first begin with the concept. We plant that in their brain. We do inquiries and activities around that concept to help the student learn it. To just say we're going to do things around cause and effect <laughs> But what is cause and effect? We're going to learn its system. Well, it's not planted in the brain till we teach it. So we teach them the concept and then the big idea. Then we start to teach the content and the skills that they need that could be tied to that. So we make sure with vertical alignment that they're getting different concepts each year and each quarter. And we help guide that learning to be inquisitive to be motivational. Uh, it keeps the students engaged as they look at things through the lens of that concept. Then all the way down to the lesson, the teacher keeps referring back to that concept. So what is the cause and effect of the Civil War? What was the cause and effect of this science experiment? In your story, because you didn't use correct punctuation, what is the cause and effect? We, we can't read it clearly. And that really helps our students look at things through a much more critical eye, and we get them to that critical thinking that's so important to us. You know, as I'm listening to that, that also brings up the idea of wanting to make sure everybody in the room has something to connect to early on. Now we we look at that then translating into being their experiences, um, maybe a field study where the kids are going somewhere, it may be that you're bringing in the real world into the classroom, maybe with a guest speaker, or using the, the, the events of the day to connect to that so kids have that like instant we we have a connection here of there's a reason why I want to learn this now or there's a reason why I want to go a little bit deeper here because we're our goal is for them to understand how this happens in the real world right and so that's that's that that point that I think so often we forget in education of that helping that brain understand this is not just an isolated learning event this is 
This this has more meaning. Hopefully, uh, as we're learning something in the classroom, this has more meaning than just I'm learning this for math or I'm learning this for science. And, and getting away then from kids saying, well, I'm just not good at math. Well, you know, everybody's going to have to use math. If you're going to be a successful adult, <laughs> you're going to have to understand at least, you know, percentages to know if you're getting a good deal on a sale, right, or, or something. So it's not okay for you not to be good at math. That's, that's not an acceptable thing to say. It's maybe you're not there yet, but there's real world importance of us learning math or learning science. We saw this, um, you know, as the world changed in 2020, it was important for people to understand the science that was being discussed. All of a sudden now, people that weren't good at science, maybe science <laughs> mattered all of a sudden, right? Because they had this hook in their brain. And and I think about that with conceptual learning. And it's, it's, it's exactly what you said, Kendall. It's the connection. It's the connection between subjects. It's the connection to, you know, how, how do these go together? The only place we really do separate subjects is school. In life, we live a very interdisciplinary life. I do not go into the grocery store and say, I'm going to look around and do all the economics. Now I'm going to come back in and only do the nutrition. And now I'm going to come back in and, you know, look at all of the math that goes with this. No, we go in and do a very interdisciplinary shopping event. And that's how our lives are. We live interdisciplinary. So if we can help the kids with those those connections between subjects so that they can see they are not isolated. They're not in uh, separate towers. I will see a student who can do very well in math and then suddenly in science the exact same content, they're like, well, this is science. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And they haven't made those connections. So we help make them through that concept. And that's going to help those students connect that information and once again, retrieve it. Yeah. Well, and that interconnectedness of, you know, my training was science and I really got science. I love science. But if I couldn't figure a way to write down what I was studying or what I was researching, then what I was enjoying, I couldn't share with the world. I would be, I would have no way to show what I discovered if I can't figure out a, an educated way to write it that shows evidence, that shows clear steps, that shows clear pathways, that makes it a way that somebody else could repeat it and get the same result. If I can't write it in that way, then, then yeah, I'm, I may have discovered something really amazing over here, but who's going to know about it? Like you said, we don't live in this isolated world. So I can't go in saying, well, I'm great at science, but I don't do that whole writing thing. Well, no, I've got to figure out that writing thing because I'm going to have to figure out a way to show what I've learned and what I've discovered. And then if my math isn't right, well, I lose credibility now with the with the community that I'm trying to present to because they're going to discredit that I didn't do the math correctly. And so it's all connected in there. Um, and I love that we teach in a way that shows that connection from the very beginning. I don't know why we wait until college or whatever to, to start connecting up those pieces for people. We need to show them from the very beginning. And, and we work really hard to show that here um, in our curriculum. And so I love this idea of conceptual learning. Sometimes conceptual learning is only thought of as like an elementary thing. Uh, Thematic instruction sometimes is like, well, that works in elementary school, but what does it really look like at the middle school or the high school level? And and that's one of the things I love when people come on campus and they're able to see from our preschool class all the way through our 12th grade class, 
you see the things you talked about. You see theme boards or you see conceptual maps. You see the uh, progression of the learning and how it connects to the real world. And, and you see those connections. You see the interdisciplinary uh, connections between our subjects. Um, that it can happen at the secondary level, it can happen at the middle school level, it can happen all the way down, and it's not just a, well, that, that works great in an elementary classroom. And I think in high school, the secondary school especially, it even becomes more critical because as we start to get into much deeper into a subject, they've got to find a way to connect this. So for many students, like you said, I don't like math or I don't like science, um, don't ask me to write, uh, we, they need to see those connections, and those connections through that concept can help them see that this is possible and that I can get this. And how is this connected to me personally and the concept that I'm learning? So I get cause and effect. So then how does this particular piece help me with that cause and effect? So as we get deeper into the learning and we do get more towards uh, almost factoids, we get deeper into more information, without that connection, it, many of us couldn't pass our high school exams today, is that we learn it short term, but we never store it long term. So without that connection, I can pass the common assessment on Thursday, I can pass the exam for this class, but don't ask me next year. And that's not what we're about here at Clayton Bradley. We're really about how do we connect this in a way through this concept that so our students own that learning for a lifetime. Absolutely. I know for me, I, I remember learning about uh, triangles, angles, and sides, and that sort of thing, and trig. That's where I learned it, tri trigonometry, right? Um, probably some geometry in there, too. Um, and I was always a great student in the, those classes, but I remember as an adult uh, doing some woodworking out in the garage, you know, and, and just trying to make some things for the house. And I got in a situation where I knew what I needed was that trig. You know, I needed that formula to remember how to figure out the side over here that I was getting ready to cut. And I had to go back to some, you know, YouTube videos or Google searches to try to remember what, what do I have to figure out what I don't have. And it, and it was one of those that when I was in class, I, I could do it all day long. But all of a sudden in the real world, when I needed it, in an, in an area like woodworking, those angles and, and sides come up all the time. And I mentioned this in um, one of the previous podcasts about patterns to programs, and that's exactly what we talk about here at Clayton Bradley, is those, those connections, those connections through that concept are about that, that real life connection. So in a classroom at Clayton Bradley, very much we might have kids starting with a woodworking project where they have to apply the angles and then we teach them the math that goes with it, a discovery method that is going to help them keep that forever because there's a much better chance that someone's going to hand them something they want to do in real life than someone's going to hand them a worksheet to fill out. Just not going to happen once right. you're an adult. And so we want them to understand that. And so pattern to program, we want them to know how to apply this in something like a woodworking project. So those projects are based on helping kids make that conceptual learning connection. So we start with this concept that, that is overarching for the year, and we write that conceptual key point. But one of the things that we also do is standards-based grading and, and standards-based learning, mastery learning. And so we teach a lot with our uh, teachers about making sure they start with those standards and they they make sure that what they're teaching aligns 
with what standards are there in place. So can you speak a little bit about that? How do we incorporate standards now into that curriculum? So they've got this concept. That's great. They've got these. Now we're developing those hooks in the brain so that they can bring it back up. But, you know, people want to know, well, how do, what are my kids really learning or how do I make sure that they're learning what they're supposed to be learning for their grade level? Well, that really goes back to the standards, right? So how, how are we working with our teachers in that respect? Well, standards are actually fairly new in the educational world, is we haven't had them that long. And what happened in the past before we had those, maybe in even your schooling um, as an adult, is that teachers just taught to a textbook or they taught whatever the teacher liked. So we would see common in an elementary school for dinosaurs to be taught as science all five years. Some teacher likes gardening and they taught that. And so there wasn't a vertical alignment. So standards are our, our best friend. They give us that vertical alignment. They tell us what kids should know, understand, and be able to do at each of those sort of benchmark points of grade levels to say, you know, what, what should a fourth grader know? What should an eighth grader know? Uh, how much chemistry should they know? Where, what, what should be taught in those subjects? So we look at those standards and say, all right, this is what should be taught. But a student doesn't want to be told, today we're doing RL 6.4. <laughs> what does that mean? And in many cases, the teacher can't remember because they wrote those lesson plans last week and they've got the standards just listed. Also, a student doesn't want to hear the learner will do this or do that. So what we know from the brain research is the meaning piece is we take those standards and put them in kid-friendly language. I don't want to say we're dumbing them down, but we're putting them in language that makes the student motivated and excited about learning. So we like to say that the key points are taking those standards and giving them guts, giving them something that these students can say, that's what I'm learning. So today I'm learning about this, and it explains what it is. Because lots of times if I just say, well, today we're learning photosynthesis. Well, in a key point, we're going to say, this, where you're learning about photosynthesis, this is what it is. We also include a so what, because the brain wants to know why. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm going to be personalizing that for the children and saying, this is what we're learning, this is what it is. And then I'm going to use inquiry to teach that. Everything we teach is standards-based. So we take those standards, and rather than giving them these educational jargon numbers and the learner will, we put them in a kid-friendly way that gets kids motivated about, today I'm learning about photosynthesis and this is what it is and this is why I'm learning it, that is much more motivational than just giving them a number or some formal piece of educational writing that doesn't make sense to the student. Yeah. When at CBA, when you walk into our classrooms, that you're going to see in each classroom that you go into, whether that is in pre-K all the way up to 12th grade, you're going to see either a year-long theme board or you're going to see a concept board. When you look at that board, you're going to find usually in the center of that board what, our con what that classroom's concept is. Now that concept, and some example that Linda was using was would be like cause and effect that concept is going to be taught all year long. And it's gonna be taught uh, using uh, this, the reading, writing, math, and science in all phases of their learning so that they can have a deep understanding of what cause and effect is, 
again because that creates an address in the brain that you attach the learning to. That's the reason why that's so important. Now, when you look at that year-long theme then you're, or the concept board, you're going to see what's going to be happening in each of the four nine weeks. So they have four nine weeks. It's labeled, usually with kid-friendly language. It's, there's a title. And each one of those nine weeks are very specific to how those standards are organized. So the teachers take a look at reading standards, uh, they take a look at math standards, science standards, social studies standards, and they spend a lot of time organizing those standards in such a way that they can put it uh, together in a quarter where it will make sense to students and they can integrate those standards between each subject area. And then they set those out in an organized fashion for each of the four nine weeks. That way, what you're trying to do again is continuing to create meaning to the learning that's going to take place in that classroom. I really liked what Linda said in regard to, to patterns and programs, and what I always think about is an example that I heard a long time ago. When you're teaching your children in math and you're talking about percentages and you do a lot of just um, either paperwork or exercises and learning about how do you do uh, percentages, but what really truly matters in learning is can you really take that to real life? Can that experience be transferred into how you're going to need to use that in a, a daily real life situation? For example, like taking your child to the mall and there's a sale that's going on and there's a sale on jeans and, and they're 30% off. Can, can your child then in turn take that information that they've learned about percentages and apply that into real life, uh, real life experiences and that's where uh, learning really takes shape and really has meaning attributed to it. It's very important to look at each situation that you're going to have in learning and trying to create a deeper meaning to that learning that then in turn applies to the, the concept is then applied to it that creates that learning attached to that hook that can be retrieved for future use. I also think another piece to just uh, to let you know about is that when they created the next-gen science standards, they used neuroscientists. They're like, this is science, let's use neuroscience to say how people that makes learn sense. and how we would apply the standards. And there's three main pieces where they look at the core ideas, they look at engineering practices, but the third piece that was so critical for learning is that there's cross-cutting concepts. And so you know, even our most current set of standards we've been given nationally that the neurosciences helped create was built around the concept because they know that's how we learn. So there's been so much research from the neuroscience world into how learning concepts help us retrieve and retain that that was used as that national uh, key element in how we teach science. And it really applies to all learning. So we, we want to make sure that that takes place. And this helps our teachers orchestrate learning in a way that's going to help those kids just own this information. 
you know, we have people come by the school and, and they talk about the secret sauce that we have or the, the magic that takes place in, on our campus or in our classroom. And it's not by accident, it's intentional. And the reason why it seems like it's some magic uh, that's going on is because kids learn and they remember and they are applying to the real world and they're doing what our mission says. They're problem solving, they're critically thinking, they're gonna be working with others in groups and, and learning how to collaborate. They're using lifelong guidelines and life skills in, in working with others and in showing their work and taking pride in what they do. And it's all through brain-based research that, that that comes about. That's Those were all intentional things built into our model um, for our, our classrooms to be successful. And this conceptual teaching sets the classroom up in a way that kids will be able to learn and master the standards that, that they should master then to go on and be ready for the next phase of learning that takes place. I want to thank both of you for uh, sitting down just for a little bit today and, and discussing this conceptual model and, and the brain-based research that goes in. I'm sure there will be future conversations as well, but uh, it was really great to hear uh, the discussion about conceptual learning, the, ad the address in the brain, the hook that we're trying to create so that kids can put things into long-term memory. So when they're walking out of our classroom, they're not dumping the learning in the trash can with uh, anything else that they might want to leave in that classroom, but they're taking the learning with them. And then they're able to apply that learning to the real world scenario, be that in the grocery store trying to figure out the percentages, out on the construction site knowing what uh, angles and, and measurements to use or um, in the, the you know hospital room or whatever of realizing that it's all connected and we want our students to be successful in whatever it is that they go on to do. This is the Ignition Point podcast. It's Clayton Bradley's podcast where every day we work with students to be problem solvers, collaborators, critical thinkers, and using our lifelong guidelines and life skills. If you would like to find out more about our school, you can visit us on the website at www.claytonbradleyacademy.org. You can schedule a tour. You can schedule a visit. We'd love to have you out on campus to show you the magic that really does take place in each of our classrooms. Thank you so much for listening today, and we hope that you have a wonderful day.